Hey, what's going on? My name is Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his, and you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to helping you replace harmful patterns with new possibilities. In this episode, I have an interview for you. Today's guest has been an all-natural bodybuilder who has decided to lift people's spirits instead of just lifting weights. In this episode, he shares how his experience with bodybuilding, family, and just life in general has instilled within him the desire to inspire. Sometimes this podcast can contain adult language and adult themes. Not this episode. There's no trigger warning. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, what's going on? My name's Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his, and you're listening to the Patterns of Possibility. I'm here with another guest, another great episode and interview for you. I'm pretty excited to share this guest or introduce this guest to you because I was on his podcast recently and we had a great time talking. And actually, our conversation when we initially met was so smooth and easygoing. And I'm so excited. So without further ado, Please, Jimmy, tell them who you are, what you do, what's going on with you. Well, first I want to say thank you for having me on your show. My name is Jimmy IV from the Sexy Cool Lounge podcast, and uh, it's a pleasure to uh, hang out with you for a little bit, man. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good. Yeah. You? Everything is good, man. I, like, look, life is good. There's a lot of positive energy and good vibes only just kind of flowing on this side of the universe, man. So life is good, brother. Thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. See, see what I mean, y'all? Just easygoing, smooth, effortless conversation about to have here today. So with that said, you know, you said you're having a great day. You're chilling, you're vibing. And I know that's your whole thing. You talk about vibes a whole lot, you know? So I'm curious, uh, how did you get into, um, you know, discovering what vibes are and how they moved you along? I think for me, man, it's just an evolution over the time of my journey, okay? Like everything happens for a reason at different stages of your journey or of your life, if you will. So for me, becoming more self-aware, having more uh, reflection in what I do, where I'm coming from, where I want to go help me to just like evolve in understanding my vibe. And when I understood that, and there were a few things that kind of happened in my life uh, back in 2014, you know, I lost my dad to a rare form of cancer. Uh, It only happens to like 2% of the people in the world. So in just the whole reflection thing and my dad passing, I saw so many people that came out to my dad's funeral, okay? And my dad knew a lot of people, but he touched a lot of people. He was uh, a mailman, but he also was a teacher for a certain portion of his adulthood. And there were a lot of people, whether it was students, colleagues, coworkers, and that really touched me. 
It touched me in a way at that portion of my life that I could sit back and say, wow, all of these people are coming out to pay tribute or pay their respects to my dad. And that moved me. It really moved me. And at that point, I said, you know what? I I, want to do something that moves people, that touches people in such a way that um, I can document it. You know what I mean? And so I kind of set out in the back of my mind on what I could do, what I could do. And uh, I don't know, it just, the universe just kind of put things in, in an alignment for me when I really had like the clarity of where I wanted to go on a mm-hmm. whole different level of things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. does. You had some experience that, well, basically your dad inspired you to look for something to, I think it sounds like you want to inspire the people. That's what it says. That's what I hear when you say you want to contribute to others. Yeah. You want to inspire them to do something, to be something a little more. So let's take a step back and this before your your father passing. And so you talked about where you came from. So where did you come from and how did it get you? How did you get to that point? Like, what did you, like, how, where were you, where'd you grow up? Just out of curiosity. Oh, I, I'm I'm an East Coast guy, man. I, I am from Maryland, born and raised. Uh, mm-hmm. So shout out to anybody that understands the DMV, uh, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Hello, hello. But yeah, born and raised in uh, in Maryland. Spent some time down in uh, Miami. I have a uh, portion of my life was out in Indianapolis where I did some uh, all-natural amateur bodybuilding for a portion of my um life so yeah how'd you get how'd you get into bodybuilding uh bodybuilding hmm well taking it a step back further than what you're taking it back in high school uh i played uh basketball and when i graduated uh high school and i didn't play in college i only had one year of college but i didn't play but the Wanting to just stay active was something that was really important to me. So I would play pickup games, uh, get into a couple of you know side leagues and stuff like that. But at some point, there came this awakening that says, hey, if I get hurt, if I twist a knee, I, I twist an ankle, do something like major out here just playing in a pickup game, what am I going to do? You know? So... I decided to just kind of move away from like the pickup basketball and go into just working out a lot to just kind of relieve that uh, feeling of just needing to like get some energy off. So that turned into uh, people asking me, hey, you know, how how do you work this or how do you do that or how can you get uh, abs or calves or they started asking me questions. So that in turn inspired me to go in to personal training. Okay. Uh, that became a success and, you know, long story short, uh, I had followed a young lady out to Indianapolis and that's where I met my bodybuilding trainer out there. So once I met with him, everything just kind of took off for about six years as an all-natural bodybuilder out in the Indianapolis area. And uh, it was it was a really nice time. It was a really good chapter of my life. I learned a lot about um, 
consistency, uh, goal, mm-hmm. goal setting through bodybuilding. Um, you learn to be grateful for what you can do versus what someone else can't do, whether it's genetic or whether it's just determination. So there's so many things that um, I've learned from that whole chapter of my life. And I've met some really good people, man. I mean, it's almost like a community, like you and I are podcasters and we're part of a community of podcasters and we kind of support and we show love to each other. And same thing as in bodybuilding, man, you know? Yeah, definitely. So when you, whenever you get on a page, I think if you get into a hobby, you'll find people that do the same thing or enjoy the same thing. You know, it's, it's, helpful to build those communities to try and build them up and say we're together we're not competing against each other but we are competing against each other this is what i'm thinking of when you talked about bodybuilding thinking about yeah we are competitive but we are supportive of each other absolutely and that absolutely yeah yeah it it, it, whether it's basketball uh football when we're on stage or when i was on stage yeah we're you know don't don't get it twisted we are competitors but the moment that we step off and the show's over with, we can go out and we can get a bite to eat. We can talk about things, you know, and, and it was just like that, man. It was real cool. Yeah. Now that right there, I wanted to, um, I kind of want to dive in on, I want to look at that because it feels impossible for some people, I think, to be able to say, I'm going to murder you on stage. Murder you is probably a bad, it's a hard word. Thinking of something more of like, uh, football when it's like full contact, I'm going to, or even like UFC, well, I mean, right? Let's, you, you're going to yeah, head to head. Let's just keep it real. I mean, because as a, as a bodybuilder and as a, as a, as a champion, you go in to the mindset of, I will assassinate you. I will annihilate you. You call it whatever word you want to call it within the good frame of the context. Okay. You are competing for something and you are a competitor and I will not let you be better than me. Okay. But Hey, I don't take that like off the stage. So it's like, once we're done shows over with, you know, we're cool, but there has to be, if you're a competitor, you have to, have that mindset of being able to flip that switch when you're in competitive mode, competition mode versus I'm not competing right now. We all good. You know, I got love for you. Yeah. yeah I hear you. So you got to be able to flip that switch. And so, you know, I want to pull in the vibe here and look at the vibe for a second and how it relates to this, because I'm thinking, um, if those who may not be familiar with the the vibes and high vibes is good energy, right? Absolutely. And low vibes is is not so good energy not where so you're not energy. maybe feeling so well, yeah. um, you're not as confident or, or something along those lines, right? So you're always high vibing. You're high vibing when you're on stage, you know, you've got this good energy, and then you do it off stage, and there's a I'm thinking there's an energy change when you flip that switch. That's where I'm trying to get to. No, no. Because if you're really authentic and you're true to yourself about who you really are and how you are coming into the universe, nothing really changes. You know what I mean? The only thing that changes is that you're either on stage or you're off stage. But just to kind of expand on the whole vibe thing, it's like there are people out there who really don't know what their vibe is. They don't know how important self-love 
self-awareness is to their overall well-being and their mental health. So taking it a step further, yeah, you know, part of my my mission is to help people appreciate, understand their vibe and how vital that vibe is to their overall well-being, their confidence, their self-confidence, their their energy in this universe. There's so many people that that you know just don't mm-hmm. they don't they don't have any awareness of that, man. Some people do, right. and, and, but some some people don't. So yeah. So in your experience, when you were you know, uh, I keep thinking of bodybuilding because mm-hmm. I that's the thing that's really interesting to me. So in your experience, you know, competing. Have you run into people, I'm sure you've run into people who've just had that low vibe and unawareness. What were those interactions like with you? How did you navigate those kind of interactions? Oh, man. The easiest way I can put that is, me. you stay away from it, brother. (laughs) There's some people, listen, as much as you want to think there are good people out here, there, there are a lot of good people with good vibes and good intentions. But then they're just some people who just are bad people, man, you know, for whatever reason. And I've learned in life that vibes don't lie, okay? Your vibe can pick up when something ain't right with somebody else, okay? You may not be able to identify it at that moment, but your little, I call it like spider sense or however you want to, you know, put the label on it, but you're... Your intuition is telling you, mm, okay, maybe I need to put up a yellow flag with this, man, you know, see how this works out or whatever. But something is telling you something isn't right in the same manner that you can be around certain people and the vibe tells you that you're almost like kin souls with these people. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like you knew them from yeah. a previous life because you're just connecting with them so well. You also have the flip side to that. So- when I met people like that, encountered them, uh, you're courteous, you do what you got to do, but you already know, mm, I, I'm not going to let my vibe like be intermixed with this any longer than necessary. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So you just kind of pick up on it. It is a natural thing to pay attention to, to notice, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brother. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So that's really, I mean, really thoughtful you know, take care of yourself, this self-awareness to take care of yourself. Because even with that, you know, the self-awareness of of knowing how you feel, it's also about knowing how others affect you in these situations, how they may be able to derail you or to even lift you up. So the people who are high vibing with you, you're bringing with you all the time, right? Absolutely. Those are the people that you call your tribe, okay? Mm. Your tribe is or are the people who want to see you do good with no benefit to them, okay? They genuinely just want to see you do good, all right? That's your tribe, all right? You hang around them. You surround yourself with people like that as much as you can, as often as you can, all right? Because those are the ones that are going to get your energy up to its highest vibration, which is sexy cool, in my opinion, and keep it there, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you talked about sexy cool just a minute ago. Can you tell us what you mean by that? 
Sexy cool is a mind, uh, state of mind, man. It's a mindset, right? It is the highest vibrational form that I feel anyone can ever have. And what that means, what sexy cool is about is like when you're, when you've accomplished something within yourself, you feel that ultimate, like, I, I describe it as like a vibration within you, okay? It's a feeling of accomplishment, all right? But sexy cool takes it one step further. Sexy cool is how you feel about yourself all the time, all right? You're getting ready to go out, hang out with some friends. Maybe it's a date, whatever, okay? And when you do that checklist in the mirror, all right, when you look at yourself head to toe, you, you cool with your clothes, everything looks on point, you're ready to walk out and go have a good time, that moment that you say, yeah, I'm good. That's sexy cool. All right. If you're in a board meeting and you just crushed your presentation and you walk out of that knowing that everything was on point, that feeling is sexy cool. What I'm on a mission to do is to not just have people feel that way in those particular moments. I'm on a mission to try to have people feel that way about themselves all the time. Because there are some people that only feel that way when they get that validation from somebody else. I'm trying to say, you should feel that way about yourself all the time. Whether you wake up in the morning, whether you go to bed at night, it doesn't matter. Because it starts with how you love yourself and it radiates outwards. It is not something that you attract inwards. Does that make sense? Yeah, right on, right on. And definitely subscribe to this idea of it comes from within. You you're the person that radiates whatever it is that you want to to put out there or to attract actually. I think you radiate what you attract. So these high vibes, this sexy coolness, I mean, I can feel it. I feel Appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Spread it around because the the universe needs more of it. They need more positive vibes in this in this universe and and I'm just thankful to connect with people like yourself who get it and though our platforms are a tad bit different the message is still the same and the end result of where you and I individually with our different styles of podcasting the the end result is still the same we're trying to help people inspire people empower empower people to be better within themselves be better today than what you were yesterday, but still striving to be the best that you can be tomorrow. Right. And I noticed how you didn't uh, compare that to anybody else. You're like the better than you, the yesterday, better than you were yesterday, not better than anyone else was in any other point in time. Absolutely. Because that's what Sexy Cool is about. It's not about mm -hmm. what someone else thinks of you. It is what you think of yourself. And that needs to be at the highest form. So mm -hmm. this is not about somebody else. It is about you. And once you do you, once you are authentic to yourself, everybody mm -hmm. then takes notice of that. It doesn't work any other way. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, if you are the, a person who's always trying to please someone else, you're trying to follow the crowd or you're trying to make sure everyone else likes you. It's a surefire way of being disliked. It's a surefire way of being mistrusted. Or taken advantage of. Or taken advantage of. Absolutely. So be good to yourself is what we're what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling. So I'm gonna step onto the side and a little bit of this and talk about um bodybuilding 
am curious about, you know, your experience with it because you were in it for a while. Mm -hmm. You, uh, you've, you've worked out for, you were like, what, 16 when you started lifting? Like seriously? Uh, You know, I would say, yeah, because I mean, I played ball, uh, since I was 10 years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and remind me, I'll, I'll send you, um, my, my 10 and under picture. I was a big boy. Okay. So, so let me, let me start from the beginning with this. So the, the way I even got into like athletics was, you know, and, and I'm sure most of your women listeners will appreciate this. I was a 10 pound, nine ounce baby. All right. So I was a big boy. All right. So words coming, coming up through my uh, younger childhood, words like chubby, husky, those were words that I heard all the time. All right. So I got to be like nine and a half, 10 years old. My mama was like, look, you get into a point where it's like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to hit your teens in the, in a little bit. And you're going to have this whole girl thing happening and changing in the locker rooms at school. So what you want to do, Jimmy? She was like, I can put you on a basketball team and we can get you some exercise, but you know, all that Captain Crunch you eating and sitting around watching TV, this is not really going to be a healthy path for you. So Mm -hmm. credit to my mom to, at a young age, just say to me, listen, you know, you, you have a choice here, you know, what you want to do, I'll support you. And my dad will support me, but they gave me a choice. And I think for me, that was like the start of being athletic but then also like understanding competition. And then through that, you kind of get like this little bit of addiction as you get older of being in a competition and striving to be better than the next person or mm-hmm. have being, being the person on your team who can help your team win in the competition. So right, if right. I really kind of like step back for a moment – that's where it all started, man. It, you know, and like I said, I'll send you a picture. You you can do whatever you want to do with it. It's all good. But I was the biggest guy on this ten and under team, and just a funny story to go with that is that my mama always had to take my birth certificate to every game, whether it was a home game or away game, in the rec centers that we played in, because parents and coaches didn't believe that I was a ten year old kid. They thought I was like a 12-year-old kid playing on a 10 and under team. So she always had to take mm-hmm. my birth certificate that shows that I'm really valid to be on the team. And that was just like, uh, you know, I'll never forget those moments, man. But yeah, it, it was. A cool yeah. <laughs> hey, that sounds really, uh, <laughs> that's a funny story. <laughs> but that sounds really cool that your mom was able to give you the choice or she kind of brought that awareness to you yeah. of what was going to happen. She brought her experience in because, you know, especially, you know, you're not too much older than me, but I think I look at my parents uh, back at my parents and the way that they may handle those situations is to shame you, to tell you, Hey, um, you better do this or you right. better do that because you're not going to want this to happen. Right. And she just, it sounds like she just kind of brought it to your awareness. Like, Hey, um, this is, you don't know anything about what, you know, what you're going to grow up into your teens and anything, but I know what it's like to be a teenager. I just want to give you a little heads up. Here's something you can do. Cause you, it sounds like you could have easily just said, no, nah, I don't want to, 
Right. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, and that's a good point that you make. Um, and just to kind of give a little back history on my parents, uh, both of them were educators. My mama was a, a school principal for 20 years and my dad taught in uh, elementary and junior high for a portion of his life. And then he moved over to the post office. So being able to like communicate with kids, reason with kids was something that was just a part of my family makeup just because of how my parents did things with us. Um, and even when it comes to disciplining, you had options, okay? You had options. It was like, you know, be home by 11 o'clock, all right? And you cannot be home by 11 o'clock if you want to, okay? But here's, here's what's going to happen if you're not home by 11. So you have the choice. You can either be home by 11 or you don't have to be home by 11. <laughs> and as teenagers, you know, I got a, um, I have a, a brother that's a year and a half younger than me and they did both of us the same way. It was like, we're going to give you a choice. You know, you know, I'm not going to come at, they didn't come at us strong about what to do as far as restrictions or, or, or things that we could or couldn't do. It was here are your options. Okay. Think them through. All right. And yes, you're going to make mistakes from time to time. And every kid does, every teenager does. All right. But if you make a mistake, learn from it, but I'm giving you the blueprint and I'm giving you kind of sort of the answers on the front end. You don't really want to be late, but if you're late, understand that this is how this is going to play out. I got you. Yeah. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that I see that contribute to you know how you how you are today. Of course, it gives you that ability to feel your own autonomy. You know, when you're a kid, it's usually that you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice, and even the way you put the idea of being home by eleven, it it's not even. I would think about it, and I think about my when I was growing up. It's be home by eleven. That's it. There's no choice to right. it. There's no choice. I know there are going to be consequences if I don't. But it's not like I'm allowed to make that mistake, right? And I think that's a that's a thing that would happen continuously. I would feel like, well, you know, I'm not allowed to make a mistake, therefore I can't make my own decisions, therefore I can't grow, right? And it sounds like it was it was different for you. It, 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 you know, my experience was, I guess, if you look at it that way, my experience was a little different, and the domino effect was different. Um, mm. There were times, like, listen, I think by my parents doing that. It gave me and my brother options, yes. But also what it did was it gave us responsibilities. Our responsibility mm -hmm. was to be home by 11, all right? Now, if for some reason you're going into like 10, 15, 10, 30, just depending on where you're at or, or who you're hanging with, or if you happen to be over at a friend's house and everything is like flowing really good and you knew that you needed to be home by 11, so what you did was... You picked up the phone and you called. You said, hey, mom, hey, dad, listen, I'm over at so-and-so's house, so I'm here. I'm here doing this, that, and the other. Hey, do you mind if I come home at 1130, whatever? You gave the recognition of, I know this is what you said, and I know that this is my time frame. I'm asking for permission to extend that, you know? And sometimes, mm -hmm. man, it worked because they acknowledged like, okay, one, you're not running late. Okay. You calling on the front end or something. 
and mm-hmm. I know where you're at. Life is good. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Okay. This one time. Okay. Yeah. Come on home at 1130. You know, you still mm-hmm. had to respect your elders and their decisions. Okay. So it wasn't an every time thing that you could pull that out and use that like break alarm in case of an emergency. But every once in a blue moon, yeah, it was like, hey, I'm really having a good time or, or I'm, hey, I'm over at so-and-so's house and everything is really good. Do you mind if I just come in at 1130, quarter to 12? But be home at 1130, a quarter to 12. Don't feel like you can like make that next phone call and be mm-hmm. like, hey, um, yeah, you know that? I'm going to sleep over tonight. You know? Right, right, right. And, and never, mm. never, 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 never call late, man. My, my, parents, yeah. my parents and my grandmama was like, if you're going to call, call on the front end. But if you're supposed to be home at 11, don't be calling at 11.15 asking for an extension because you ain't going to get it, mm-hmm. okay? Gotcha. Call at 10.45, call at 10.35, call at a 10.30. But you calling at 11.15 saying, hey, this, that, and the other, that ain't going to work. It didn't work in my mm-hmm. family, man. Not at all. Yeah, I see. You know, it's important, too, for boundaries. So you get that solid boundary. It's not just, hey, these are whatever rules, I can do whatever I want. I can come home a little later because, or I can call every single time because that's not what the boundary was. It's about being home at 11 and just because I feel generous or just because I feel like you deserve it or whatever it was, you're allowed to extend, Exactly. but you still get to know. So that's, I think that is a great lesson to teach. I mean, that's a great way to to help people grow and understand, know, your, know where you're going, know what your boundaries are, feel that autonomy. I bet that stopped you from being so rebellious because you got that freedom. I can honestly say everybody's different. Everybody's childhood is different, brother. But I can tell mm-hmm. you, I was not, nor was my brother, rebellious to my grandmama or to my dad or my mom. And as I've gotten older in life and you can look at things from a different perspective, you can look at them through different lenses as you've accumulated more knowledge about life, that that was a cool way to handle things with me and my brother. I'm not saying that that works for everybody. I can tell you that it worked for us because in life now I give people choices, you know, I'm, you know, you, you want to vibe with me? We can vibe. Okay. Or we don't have to vibe. You know, I'm still taking that. I'm giving you the choice to figure out the direction that you want to go in. It's not going to be by my control. The end result might be a little different, but how you want to roll with this, it's all cool to me, man. We can be friends. Mm -hmm. We don't have to be friends. We can be cool. We don't have to be cool. Okay. It's all in how you just want to, you know, make your decisions. So, yeah. yeah. And I think I learned yeah. that through some of those childhood and teenager uh, moments with my grandmama and my dad and my mom. Yeah, for sure. You don't have to um, have the stress of controlling anyone either. That's kind of stressful. And it leads to never release anything good because we're always anyone who's like, you should do this, then I would feel better. Or if you should do that, then you wouldn't get hurt or blah, blah, blah. Just always trying to control other people in their lives when just realizing that if you would just chill, relax, it's not stress on your part. They don't have to affect you. It seems like it just continues on. It feels like it's more of that sexy, cool vibe right there where and that, it just- And that's where, that's where life is with me, brother. And that's where I'm trying to 
get so many other people to that place of just, hey, life is good. You got good vibes. Be humble. Be grateful for what you have. You know, there's a saying that I say uh, with my girlfriend when we, um, you know, right before we ha we have dinner and stuff like that or a meal. And part of it is I talk about even though you have more than others or even though you don't have as much as others, you still have more than others. And we all should just be mindful of that, okay? No matter what we're going through, whatever it is that you feel like you don't have in life, you still have more than others, okay? So be grateful for what you have. And as long as you can continue to do that and just walk that as a part of your journey, yeah, you, you know, you, you're in a cool place because it's all good, man. You know, you appreciate what mm -hmm. you have. Yeah, you it, there are things that you want to strive for. Absolutely, brother. But at the same time, don't get it twisted, man. You're still in a in a good spot in your life because there are people that don't have what you have, you know. So don't like forget that portion of where life is with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things could be things could be a little different, and it's really beneficial to be grateful for what you have around you. It gets you to that high vibe because you're feeling like, yeah, I'm not feeling like I'm a failure, but look at all the stuff that I have and I've accomplished. So you can get yourself up there by being grateful. And emotionally, and for your mental well-being, reflecting on that portion of it is also good for your soul, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to make sure that you take care of your soul and you take care of your vibe. And the way you do that is not always wanting something else. It is reflecting on what you've been able to accomplish and where you've been able to come from, from where you were. And that, in turn, continues to fuel your fire of gratitude. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, that does. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah so we were, we were starting to talk about um, you as a teenager. I, I left off with asking if you started lifting at in your teenage, like you were 16. I, I thought it said something like that. Yeah. Um, so this makes more sense. I'm glad you gave so much backstory. It makes more sense. You were talking about how you had the desire to move around, keep active, right. keep active. And I wonder, well, what the heck, why? Why was that? And that's just to maintain the physique? Uh, it was to maintain that weight mm -hmm. off, brother. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> 10 pound, nine ounces, that just doesn't go away as you get older in life. So, you know, I'll send you a picture and then it'll make more sense the way you're like, whoa, this is at age 10. This guy looks like he's 13 years old. He's only 10, you know, so... That started the whole process in me just needing to stay active, all right? Mm -hmm. So I have asthma. So as a, as a young teenager, playing football wasn't part of the option for me, all right? Mm -hmm. um, and as an early teen and as a kid, I had allergies. So I was allergic to cut grass, okay? So playing football wow. for my size wasn't something that I could do because I would break out in hives on freshly cut grass. Call, call that crazy as you do. I'm not sure if anybody else. I'm actually, that, I have, but, have those allergies, yeah. Yeah, but but it wasn't just grass. It was freshly cut grass is what I was allergic to. Um, so, yeah, so that cut out any type of football for me that kids would normally do, like 
you know, around that age group. So I reverted over to basketball and I started when I was 10, played through, you know, junior high, high school, play ball. And then when I came out and I really, really wasn't going to take that part of my athletic abilities any further, I still wanted to stay active because in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking this 10 pound, nine ounce baby is part of my identity. Right. So that turned me into just going to the gym all the time, working out, working out, working out. And I think through the course of just working out in the gym, uh, you just got people that just start asking you like courtesy questions, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and you just start talking and you realize you've got a wealth of knowledge that someone else is appreciative of if you share it. So that turned into a whole fitness thing, fitness training thing for a while. Um, and then just from being, a, being in fitness training and the striving for perfection in my own way, not so much that I would train somebody else that way, but just in my own nature, it just kept so, me going down the direction of getting bigger and better and wanting to push more weight. And then that said, okay, so what do I do now? Maybe I can go into bodybuilding, you know? Okay. So then the striving for perfection, it wasn't because people were looking at you and asking you questions. It was something that was more internal. Like, I see that this guy is huge and I see him working out all the time. I'm going to ask him some questions about working out. All right. I see him. Thanks for the answers. And you come back the next time and people are looking at you. That's that guy who's the expert. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it didn't matter where I was. You get questions and you're humble for the questions and you answer them and you just keep it moving. But yeah, you would get questions all the time because people were like, okay, how do you get big shoulders? How do you get abs? How do you Mm -hmm. tighten up your butt? Or, you know, and, and you would just like throw the questions out. So then it was like, okay, well, if this is kind of like where the scene is coming, I should just go ahead and make it part of my career. And then at that point it was like, okay, I could do a career in personal training. And at the same time I could work out in the gym and that spawned in the whole bodybuilding. Cause now I'm doing a two for one, you know, I can train people, but at the same time I'm in the gym enough to where I can still get my own workout in and keep pushing my body and striving for that perfection within myself. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me uh, ask this one question mm-hmm. again around the perfection, because I thought it sounded like you said the perfection came from within, like you were looking to be perfect or perfection for yourself, for the sake of yourself. And I, I was thinking what may have stirred the perfection idea is that people are looking at you mm-hmm. and they say, hey, this guy's an expert. And you were like, well, I need to be this expert for the other people. No. It was never that. No, it was never that, brother. It was never that at all. So let me kind of backtrack on that. So the striving for perfection was just something that was innately in me to be the best that I can be always for myself. The byproduct of that was the acknowledgement of other people on how you look as you're going through this journey of perfection within yourself. Okay. Now you've got two roads that you can take at that point. You can either be humble and you can be gracious for the fact that somebody don't know who they are, had the nerve and the courage to come to you and say, Hey, do you mind if I ask you a question? 
that to me was a humbling mm-hmm. thing. That's like somebody asking you for your autograph. You know, oh my God, you want my autograph for real? Here. But no, I never signed an autograph, but I can't tell you how many times someone came up to me and said, hey, how do I get big arms like you? Or how do I get my shoulders like yours? Or what should I do to do this, that, and the other? When they seeked out that knowledge because of what you're doing for yourself, they weren't in the gym with me when I would be mm-hmm. in there 530 in the morning pushing some weight around. You know what I mean? They only see the back end of the, the finished product or the product that is about to be finished. And they are now saying, hey, I like that look. How do I get like that? And that to mm-hmm. me was the humbling portions. I mean, now if you out having a meal, you know, sometimes you just want to eat, but the gracious part of me was always just like, Hey, you know, cool. You answer a question or two and you just keep it moving brother. But you know, it it was, it was not because of what they were asking me. It was something that was already instilled in me. And I think I got that from my dad, man, to be honest with you, as a kid, you know, my dad was just one of those those type of cats where you do it, you do it 100%. You do it right the first time so that you don't have to come back and do it the second time. Cutting the grass, you know, taking the trash out, um, cleaning up your room, whatever it might be. It started there in the sense of do it right the first time and you don't have to come back and do it again. You got choices. So we back to that whole choices thing. Get you. Yeah. So so if I'm going to work out, (laughs) It's it's 100% intensity for me <laughs> so that I don't have to feel like I got any uh, regrets on coming back and finish out a half set or whatever on the back mm-hmm. end of something. So I, you know, maybe through this, this, this episode, I just learned something about myself. Maybe <laughs> from my dad just instilling that whole, uh, do it right the first time. And it just got contagious and you just, you just continue moving forward, man. Yeah. I think it's opened up something in me, man. I didn't really look at it like that. Well, thanks. You know, the first time I talked to you, I had that opening, eye-opening experience about competition. So, yeah, man, I'm glad to hear it. Absolutely. And there's there's something else that I picked up in there that just it is definitely the sexy, cool vibe you're talking about. How it appears again in your life is this idea of like you're just being yourself. And this is quote. I don't know who it's by, but it is. You don't tell people that you're great. People tell you that you're great. Absolutely. Essentially, you were just going on doing the thing that you enjoyed being yourself. And people were like, oh, my, I got to talk to this guy. He's got knowledge. And I think that happens with the genuine, most genuine people because you're just not trying to impress anybody. No, no. Yeah. So, so then, you know, there's a misconception with, um, and I'm going to use bodybuilding for a minute, but there's a misconception with bodybuilders that 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 we are cocky, conceited people because we're continuously looking at ourselves in the mirror, all right? Especially when we're working out, right? So let me give like the blueprint of that whole scenario. What we're actually doing in our minds is we are dissecting things down to the minute muscle and muscle fiber and seeing it in its working mode as we are trying to make that uh, muscle bigger, more defined. And that's what's happening. Now, are there some out there that probably are? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody on that. I'll only speak for myself. But when I worked out, yeah, my body is 
my job. It may not be your job, yeah. it's my job. So I am looking at my body or I'm looking at my legs or I'm looking at my arms because I am a competitor, okay? You may not be a competitor. Mm -hmm. You may be in the gym just doing your weekend warrior thing and that's fine, okay? But for me as a bodybuilder, mm -hmm. my job was to build my body so that when I walk on stage, I am the best at what I do because I put in the work. So the flip side to that is exactly the flip side is when I'm out in when I was out in public, I didn't wear tight clothes or all that stuff, man. I wore big clothes. I just wanted to sit in the back and chill. I was not trying to be the showstopper, you know, whatever, whatever, because that wasn't my mindset. You know what I mean? You you yeah. You, you don't come yeah. across. That way, and I I know a lot of bodybuilders, and and they're not that way. You know, I could see where someone could look at it from afar and make that assumption, but for the most of them, man, you gotta understand mm -hmm. they they're genetically built in a way that only two to three percent of the population can do what we do or did. Okay, mm -hmm. so you're gonna naturally get people looking at you and assuming certain things that are not necessarily. True. Now, again, I'm not speaking for everybody because there probably are some people that, you know, they, they got big heads like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, it wasn't about that. My showstopper was when I was on stage and when I'm off stage, I just want to go in the gym, do my thing, get out. And if I'm out having a good time with friends or whatever, man, just, I just want to be a regular old Joe. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, it's like um, you know, when you're describing how you look at your body, I think it was a like um piece of artwork. And it's like an artist would look at their their artwork and they may step back and admire it, but they'd also think about the way the brush stroke was because there are techniques, how I'm going to do this, how I'm going to make this look. And you gotta step back and keep looking at your art and keep looking at it and thinking about the changes that you wanna make to it or how you want it to look. And so I think it of it that way. It's not that you're like, oh, it's so beautiful, but let me see this technique if it'll work better here to make it look the way I want it to. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with what you're saying about that. And you're so right. Um, it is work. When an artist is painting, even though he may be, or she may be towards the end of finishing a painting, they're continuously looking at that painting from a working standpoint. It's still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. You may come into a gallery and say, oh my God, I love that painting. And the artist could say, I appreciate that. I'm still working on it. And they're like, still working on mm -hmm. it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's the same thing with bodybuilding, brother. It, it you know, you When you look at yourself in the mirror, you're continuously looking on the improvement, even though someone else may be giving you a compliment. You take that compliment to the highest regards. Absolutely you do, brother. But at the same time, the mindset is I am still a work in progress. Yeah. So we talked a bit about that imperfectionism. That's like perfectionism, right? Or the idea that you can reach some kind of point where it's over and done. You've reached the highest pinnacle of it. And as a bodybuilder, you've been striving for that at one point in time. At one point in time? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as a bodybuilder, you do that every day that you're in the gym. You do it when you're not in the gym because when you're not in the gym, you're home eating. If you're not eating, you're sleeping. If you're not sleeping, you're in the gym working out. If you're not in the gym working out, you're doing cardio. So it is like a 24-7, seven-day-a-week 
scenario that, <laughs> yeah, you're always striving for perfection. And even when the competition is over, typically you would start training like about 16 weeks out from a show, right? Mm-hmm. You have like your certain, you know, you, you, you got 16 weeks and then at the 12 week mark, you kind of at a certain phase at the eight week mark, you at a certain phase at the four week mark, you at a certain phase. And then going into like the last, you know, 30 days, you're at a certain phase. So you, so you, for me, it was, I always kind of planned out 16 weeks. All right. Okay. So you're always in perfection mode, perfection of whatever the next task is. If it's to get bigger, then I got to hit every rep. I got to make sure I put in five, 10, 20 pounds on in the off season, whatever it may have been, but you're doing it to its fullest perfection mode possible. Failure was not an option and anything less than that was not an option. It was one way or no way at all. Dang. It sounds like it's all consuming. So what about the life with outside of that? Did you have a life outside of bodybuilding? (laughs) Brother, when I I was bodybuilding, bodybuilding was my girlfriend. All right. Oh man! I mean, listen, it, and that's the truth of it. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not. I'm, it sounds like a cliche, but it was. And for those reasons alone, very, there were some people who could understand it if they worked out. But then, if you met some somebody who wasn't into like bodybuilding or really working out, understanding everything that was consuming of it, your sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, not being any type of drama situations, which from an emotional standpoint, just drain some of your energy, getting up at five thirty, four o'clock in the morning and going to do cardio, or I can't eat this and I can't eat that. So that means mm-hmm. sometimes we got to con- reconsider where we go because there's really nothing on my menu. It, all of that, it takes a special person and God love those who support bodybuilders. All right. God love you guys. <laughs> Cause you're a special breed. It takes a lot to really understand what someone needs to achieve their end result. But again, when we go back to that tribe and that community portion of what we talked about, they're there because they just want to see you like burn in all of your fire and glory because they just want to be happy for you. So if if that's what it takes, then that's what you do. And there's some people who understood that. And then there were some people that just like, look, that, that's not part of my vibe in life. And, and I, I I don't really want to go down that path. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you said you're like 2 to 3% of the population. And so, you know, there's, that, it's rare. Yeah, that, that, do people... it, that do it on that level. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so, there are a lot of people who work out and there are a lot of people who, you know, want to get big and stuff like that. Um, but there's like that, that 2%, 3% of, the population that takes it to a whole nother level and can do it consistently on that level for those reasons. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's yeah, a lot yeah. of dedication. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of eating. That's a lot of cardio at four o'clock in the morning. Ain't a lot of, you know, I know a lot of people that want to get up at four o'clock in the morning to get their cardio mm-hmm. in. If, if, if they weren't like, like vibing down that journey, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. So um, I want to step back real quick and talk about this idea that you said, burn, burn in glory. What do you mean by that? What is that? What I mean by burn in glory is when you are like doing your thing and you're in your mode, okay, you're in your groove, you doing you from a very authentic, authentic standpoint, all right, you radiate a vibe about you 
that attracts other people. Okay. There's, there's just something about your aura, your being when you're that authentic to yourself. All right. And then when you do that and you're truly like in tune with yourself on that level, it attracts people to want to just see you doing what you do. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of self-reflection and a, self, a lot of self-love awareness to like visually understand what I'm saying. But, but when I say burn, I don't mean in a harmful way. I mean in a way to where you're radiating at such an intense level that it's like fire, okay? And But it's fire in a good way because you're burning within your soul. Your soul is radiating at such an intense frequency that people just want to come and see you be like that. And and it's why we wear, like, like for me in Sexy Cool Lounge, I wear shades not for the coolness thing, man. I wear it because I enjoy watching other people burn. And I know that sometimes people are not going to really flip with that concept, but the more you get to understand what Sexy Cool is about and you get to really understand like you being within your own unique, authentic way, then you get it. You know what I'm saying? You get it. Like I'm here mm-hmm. vibing with you because I want to support what you do and how you do it because I love to see you do what you do. Okay. And that is like the really cool thing. Wow. I didn't know that about the sunglasses. I was saying yeah. I wear my sunglasses yeah, at night. You know, I, <laughs> if, but, if I got, if I had a dollar for every time somebody like wanted to flip that, uh, <laughs> little song but, out, man, but you know, it, but, but, but there's, but once again, there's an assumption like, oh, he's wearing shades because he thinks he's cool. Oh, sexy, cool lounge. You are already trying to like fill out what you think you know about me or what the podcast is about rather than really just trying to sit back and understand where I'm coming from. And the more that you do that, the more you kind of like, Oh, okay. I get it. Yeah. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's cool. That's cool. You know? Yeah. So on that, I really think it's clever with the sunglasses because, you know, there are a lot of uh, tokens and, and things that people use to maybe boost their own self-esteem. They'll take it with them and they'll say, you know, game on or do something to get them in a different mindset. You know what I mean? And so with these glasses, I look at them and I think, well, it's not just for you, but also for me, because you're looking at me and thinking I'm burning so bright, I'm doing my thing so hot that you can't stand it. And you're you're showing me that. Absolutely. That's what I see. And I'm like, oh, okay, holy moly. That is exactly, yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it any better, brother. So thank you for being so eloquent with your words. But that's exactly where my vibe in the Sexy Cool Lounge vibe is coming from, man. It is a community where we can all come together and we can just watch each other burn and appreciate that and support that and love that in such a way that the energy just continues to just go out into the universe. And if nothing else, let that be a beacon for someone else who may not understand what self-love is about or self-love awareness is about or being able to empower themselves to feel a certain way rather than always trying to get the validation from somebody else to feel the way that they should feel about themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. 
I really like it, man. I like it. Thank Those glasses. Yeah. I will be thinking about that. I'm thinking about that. Um, so, you know, as we wrap up here, I know that this is the whole vibe of your podcast mm-hmm. and everything. You you have the the desire to inspire, to really reflect how other people can stand in their own greatness, as we just talked about. So can you tell us more about your podcast? Yeah. Listen, you know, the, the, the podcast is really about me bringing people together who are doing big things, small things, but it's all related around positivity. You know, how are you moving someone else? How are you inspiring someone else, whether it's male, female, young, older? uh, It doesn't matter, man. Black, white, it doesn't matter. Okay. My thing is I want to touch as many people as I can with positive, good vibes in this universe. And as I connect with people who are like-minded like that, I want to share their visions, share their stories on my podcast. So the podcast is so diverse. It's not just like one-sided, man. You know, if you got a positive story, if you got positive emotions of being able to do things and help other people get better within themselves, game on, man. Holler at me. And I'll definitely make sure that I show some love to you because that's what it's all about at the end of the day, making other people better, inspiring them to be better from what they are today. And if they can listen to one of my episodes and rethink things or have a different outlook at the end of the episode versus what they had at the beginning of the episode, then I feel like, you know, we're, we're moving in the right direction with the Sexy Cool Lounge podcast, man. Right on. So how can somebody find you? Uh, listen, man, you can go to sexycoollounge.com. You can find me there. You can find the podcast there. You can find us on uh, Instagram. Sexy Cool Lounge. Make it happen. Follow me, you know, show some love. Yeah. I'll show you some love back. Uh, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I mean, I've had uh, nothing but a fantastic experience with you, an uplifting, positive experience with you. Even with, um, you know, the first time we met, we're talking about this competition that I was doing Toastmasters yeah. and how I wasn't, I wasn't telling anybody about this. And, um, I want people to support me. I mean, I want to support people. You brought that to my attention. Like I do. I want to support people. So why not have myself out there so people can support me? Because there are people who want to do that. And you want to make sure that you do that for other people too. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That we're in a community of showing love and just giving out positive energy, man. People need that. We need to give it. As human beings, man, we are designed to show love and receive love. And the more mm-hmm. we can do that together as a community, as a tribe, the better off this universe will be, man. And and I'm just trying to do my little part in making that happen. And if anything I've said or my vibe connects with somebody in a way that helps them look at things differently through their eyes, then then that's, that's what it's about, man. It's about coming full circle with not only life, but with your vibe and your journey, man. Help somebody else get to where you are because at some point in your life, somebody helped you get to where you are, whether you realize it or not or want to admit that. 
or not. Mm. All right. I think right there, we can stop right there. That was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. I want to thank you so much, Jimmy, for coming on, talking about the Sexy Cool Lounge, having me on as a guest, just dropping some of your knowledge. And um, I really find those glasses so interesting. I'm telling you, <laughs> well, because of the the psychological effect it has on me. Oh, you know? okay. So, listen, yeah. listen, man. You get yourself a pair of glasses and- don't wear them because you're cool, brother. Wear them because you really appreciate watching somebody burn. And I think the moment that you put on a pair of shades and you can truly look at someone in the aspect of appreciating their fire, their burn, their brightness, their shine, their star, and then you're going to understand why I wear my shades, brother. Because at that point, you'll see what I see. And being able to see it that way, brother, you can appreciate it on a whole nother level. Hey, Jimmy, thanks for sharing your story with us. Talking about that sexy, cool vibe. That is something that you definitely bring. That vibe is here, especially wearing those shades, especially wearing those shades. What brand of sunglasses were those again? Let me get a pair of those Jimmy IV sunglasses. That's inspiration without saying a word. Your future is so bright. I gotta wear shades. After he recorded the podcast, Jimmy opened up again to share a story about how his father inspired him. So I took his story and I turned it into a doodle video, one of those animation videos. So if you're interested, it's a really nice story that shows how his dad was just a huge influence in his life, even as an older man. Well, he's not old, but even as he grew up, his dad never stopped being that, that hero that he had in his life. You can find that in the show notes. You can find it on my YouTube channel. And maybe Jimmy will put it on his website. My name's Lee Hopkins. My pronouns are he, him, his. And you have been listening to the Patterns of Possibility podcast. If you like what you're hearing, like, subscribe, and share. Follow me on Instagram at Patterns of Possibility. I go live Thursdays at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can find me at Patterns of Possibility on YouTube, LinkedIn, and other social medias. All right. Until next time, take care.